Hello and welcome to the Weekend News Bulletin. My name is Trey Harris. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of the Weekend News Bulletin. We've got some um, extremely controversial topics, but we're going to take a look at what the Bible has to say about that. So stick around. Don't go anywhere. We're going to go right into the first story. This is from Infowars.com, based off of a post from the Christian Post. United Methodist Church faces split over LGBT debate. The UMC, which itself split from the Episcopal Church, has been under turmoil for decades as progressives keep pushing to remove the church's prohibition on the ordination of, and here's the key, of non-celibate homosexuals and the blessing of same-sex marriages. Quote, these efforts to amend the Book of Discipline have regularly been brought up at General Conference, the church-wide legislative meeting that normally occurs every four years, according to the Christian Post. And it goes on to quote, every attempt to change the UMC's stance at General Conference has has failed, largely because of delegates from Africa and elsewhere abroad who tend to be more conservative. Despite... The many losses, there's another quote, quote, despite the many losses, progressive United Methodists have continued to campaign against the official stance, sometimes engaging in outright defiance of the rules by ordaining, by ordaining openly gay clergy or officiating same-sex marriages, end quote. One progressive jurisdiction unanimously elected an openly lesbian bishop in 2016, for example. Quote, although the United States Methodist Judicial Council, which is the denomination's highest court, ruled in 2017 that her election violated church law. She remains in office as of April of this year. Quote, end quote, the Post added. This defiance led to conservative-leaning members deciding to launch their own denomination called the Global Methodist Church. Quote, the new denomination, should it formally begin operations, will allow for female ordination and be committed to racial equality, as well as have measures to prevent theological liberals from taking over leadership. End quote. The Post added. This exact situation has already occurred in 2009 when Anglican Church, the, when Anglican Church of North America split from the Episcopal Church over LGBT issues while continuing to ordain women. The Lutheran Church is likewise split between the progressive Evangelical Lutheran Church and the conservative Missouri Synod and the even more conservative Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. All right, we're going to go to yet another story that has to tie into this, and this is from blackchristiannews.com, and it says, Here we go. A drag queen has been certified as a candidate for United State for United Methodist Ministry. A few things different about Sunday's virtual service at Hope United Methodist Church in Bloomington, Illinois. For one, there are few uh, there were a few more wigs on screen. There was also quote a little bit more makeup end quote said Miss Penny Cost, the sun that Sunday's preacher. Hope Church celebrated Drag Sunday on April 11th with a message by Miss Pentecost in music, readings, and prayer by other drag artists from Illinois and beyond. It is our way of celebrating and uplifting the voice of drag artistry within the church, end quote, Pentecost said during the service. 
The service also came in response to pushback and questions the church had received over the past few weeks. The Illinois Great Rivers Conference Vermilion River District Committee on Ordained Ministry recently unanimously certified Hope Church's Director of Operations, Isaac Simmons, who goes by Miss Pentecost in drag as a candidate for ministry in the United Methodist Church. Simmons, 23, is the first openly gay man to be certified within the Illinois Great Rivers Conference and, as far as anyone can tell, the first drag queen certified in the United Methodist Church. Quote, it is mind-boggling simply that it's 2021 and I'm the first, but it's also incredibly humbling, end quote, he told Religion News Service. Quote, for the amount of pushback and the amount of hate that I have faced simply by existing, let alone for pursuing ordination, I have received, I have been poured into, I have poured even more love, I've Excuse me, I've received, I've been poured into even more love and support, end quote, he added. Um, and it goes on to talk about a few other things. However, what I want to do is I want to get into here, and let me just first of all say that, and I know, so let's let's address this thing about hate, and you know, honestly, and it's sad to say this, but it wouldn't surprise me if he genuinely has received some hate from people because sometimes religious people are just absolutely hateful to anybody that they don't that doesn't fit into their paradigm. However, is it hate to push back against somebody who is in defiance of what the scriptures say? Because we can go right here and let's see. We'll type in this verse. All right. And so this is Deuteronomy 22.5 in the King James Bible, and this is what it says. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. And so what we have to ask ourselves, is it hate to push back at somebody who is clearly in defiance of Scripture, regardless of what the scenario is? Because the simple fact of the matter is, is this is a man in defiance of God's law. By the way, if you're not familiar with what the word Deuteronomy actually means, it means the second giving of the law. So this is a reiteration, if you will. And... You know, we've always said, at least up until the world went crazy a few years ago, it was always said, I remember growing up, people used to tell me that when you care about somebody, you tell them the truth regardless of how it makes them feel. And if this man, and I want to make sure I get his name right, if Mr. Isaac Simmons, if you were to ever listen to this, please understand that I bear you no ill will. I do not hate you at all. Rather, it is a love for your soul that makes me beg and plead for you to repent of your actions and turn back to Jesus Christ and his and his word and his Bible front to back, Genesis to Revelation, because I truly 
want to see the powerful work you could do for the kingdom of God. Now, there's other verses we can look at. And so what let's tie these two into each other. So we have a church about to split over what is going on with the LGBT controversy. And so let's see what Paul has to say about these these splits. And if you're familiar with our regular podcast at all, I'm sure that you understand how we feel on churches splitting over issues. Now, this is this is this is one to legitimately split over. By the way, because um, I mean, first of all, if if we're going to be disciples of Christ, first and foremost, we have to follow his words. All right. So this is what Romans 16:17 says, "Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissension and hindrances contrary to the teaching, contrary to the teaching which you learned, and turn away from them." So this is 1 Corinthians 6, 1. Does any of you, when he has a case against his neighbor, dare to go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? I bring that one up because we're about to, we're about to, get, we're about to dive deep into that. Philippians 3, 2 says, Beware of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of the false circumcision. 1 John 2.19, they went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out so that it would be shown that they all are not of us. So keep in mind that not everybody that comes out of the body of Christ or even professes to be of the body of Christ is actually of the body. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And... Unfortunately, much of modern evangelicalism does the exact opposite of that. There is such a contempt for the words of Christ and for the words written down in the law of God. Now, let's go over to 1 Corinthians 6 and see what it has to say on this subject. So this is, uh, this is 1 Corinthians 6, and we're going to start in verse 1 just for full context. Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church." I speak to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you? No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren. But brother goeth to law with brother. And that before the unbelievers. Now therefore there is utterly a fault among you because ye go to law with one another. Why do you not rather take wrong? 
Why do ye rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Nay, ye do wrong and defraud and that your brethren. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? And so now we're going to get into the issues. These are the things that will keep you from inheriting the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. We have the core problem of what is going on specifically within the Methodist church at this very moment. It is a issue of deception. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Now, there's the thing we want to do right there. So let's take this over to the interlinear because we want to know what abusers of themselves with mankind means. So just so you know, that is the word arsenicoites, and this is what arsenicoites means. Let's see. See if I can pull it up here. So we're going to pull this up in the interlinear so I can read it to you guys, and I will leave a link so you guys can see this for yourselves. All right, so that is verse 9. No, excuse me. Yes, yes, verse 9. So 1 Corinthians 6, 9 in the interlinear. This is what it has to say. So you come down here. If you were to go over to BibleHub.com, go to the interlinear section and place in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, it will pull up it both in the Greek and in the, in the English. And it, in the English, it says, Or not know you that the unrighteous ones of God, the kingdom... So it, it, keep in mind, it's literally translating it to the Greek will not inherit, not not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals. So that word translated here, homosexuals, that was translated abusers uh, of them of themselves, or however it put it, themselves with mankind. I don't even remember how they put it. But there's a reason the King James puts it so weird. And this is what Help Word Studies says about... Um, Arsenicoites. It is properly a man in bed with another man. That's why it's translated homosexual. Now, I've been looking into some of the things, um, and I even heard one guy say that it could properly, the, probably the better way to translate it is a man who has sex with another male um, because it, it's kind of an all encompassing, it's all kind of an all encompassing um, homosexual act, if, if that makes sense. And look, I get here, here, please understand that if you listen, if you're listening to this, anybody who may listen to this, and this is something you struggle with, there is no hate here. We are rather just trying to look at what the Bible says from a logical perspective and from a biblical perspective to see if it makes sense to preach from a Bible that speaks against your very lifestyle. I personally don't understand why you would want to be involved in a belief system that does that, but I also want to say that 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 God will welcome anybody into his family, but however, it's just like Jesus said when he was 
started his mission. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now that word repent is metanoia. It is a change. And a lot of people will say it's a change of mind. It is actually a change of direction. It's a change of mind that dictates a change in action. So everybody is welcome in the kingdom of God. However, there are things that every single one of us, regardless of what where we come from, what we've done in our past, whether we are whether we are adulterous in a heterosexual relationship or however the relationship is, it, it doesn't matter. When you become new, renewed in Jesus Christ, your past is taken care of. So understand that this is, we are going over this as a way of reaching out. We're not here to condemn anybody. That's not our job. We're not here to judge anybody. Once again, not our job. Judgment is left strictly to God. God, only God judges people. However, it is our job to make sure that the information in the Bible is out there and presented in the most accurate manner possible. So, and by the way, for those who want to know, the word arsenikoites is the Greek number in the Strong's 733. So you can look this up in the Strong's. See, the Strong's has it a male engaging in same-gender sexuality, a sodomite, a pederast. So that's why I said it's all-encompassing. Um, so uh, Thayer's Greek lexicon says one who lies with a male is with a female, a sodomite. Um, and Strong's exhaustive concordance, it says a um, abuser of or that defiles self with mankind. So understand, that's what we want to do. So we're going to head back over to 1 Corinthians 6 and keep reading with that in mind. All right, so picking up, let's start back. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, that's our senecoites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. So understand that it's not just now we we're talking about we're talking about our senecoites, those who defile themselves with mankind because of some of the news going on, but understand it's not just it's not just the defilers of themselves of mankind. If you're an active thief, an unrepentant thief, if you're an unrepentant coveter, if you're constantly wanting and lusting after what other people have, if you're a unrepentant drunkard or a reviler or you're an extortionist, none of these things. If you're effeminate and not repentant, if you're a heterosexual male in adulterous relationships and you're not repentant, if you have other gods that you serve before the one true God, if you're a Freemason, if you're involved in any type of witchcraft, that is idolatry, by the way, um, none of this, any of this that is unrepentant and not cleansed by the blood of Jesus, none of this is welcome in the kingdom of heaven. Now, I want to make that clear because we're not singling out any one group of people. We're just bringing this verse up because it ties into the story that we've been going over that's in the news. By the way, um, another news story has come out this week. 
says that article was written on the 26th of April. At the time of this recording, it's currently the 30th of April. And this is what it said. Um, It actually says that the church has split. So um, there is now the United, or I guess, I don't know what, they're not united anymore. One's Global Methodist. I don't know what the other is. All right, but let's continue going on. Verse 11, as such were some of you. So whoever Paul is writing to was suffering with many of these things, if not all of them. It says such were some of you. But, and this is here, here is the key to this. Such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord and by the the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Once we repent and we turn of our sins, regardless of what they are, we are washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ, and we are a new creature, the Bible says. Verse 12, All things are lawful to me, but not all things are expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Meats are for the belly, and belly are for the meats. But God shall destroy both and them, not the body. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God hath both raised up the Lord, and will also raise up us by his own power. Know ye not that our bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Spirit, unto the Lord, is one spirit. And so many who may not know, the reason that homosexuality is a sin in the Bible, and it goes all the way back to (coughs) what happened in Genesis, when it said, and the two became one flesh, talking about Adam and Eve. And so many will try to say that Jesus, well, Jesus never spoke directly on it, but he did. Because when he talks about marriage, it goes back to the same passage in Genesis. He says, for it was not so in the beginning, for God made them both. And, he may say, and let's see, let's see, I don't, I don't want to misquote it. So let's see what Jesus actually said. If I can spell, we can get this up here. All right, and this is Matthew 19, 8. He saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffered you to put away your wives, but it was but from the beginning it was not so. Verse 9, And I say unto you, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her, which is put away, doth commit adultery. So Jesus is saying, Jesus in this context is talking about divorce. The, 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 um, the dispute was over the law in Deuteronomy 24. But Jesus said, but it was not so from the beginning. What does he mean by it was not so from the beginning? For the two shall become one 
flesh. So you can't undo that. You cannot do the two becoming one. God made them male and female. Why? It's simple. God made them male and female because that is the way to reproduce life. See, God's law is all about the preservation of life. That's why abortion is wrong. That's why you didn't sacrifice your children unto Molech by passing them through the fire. That was why you had to leave the corners of your crops to be gleaned by the widows and the orphans. That was why when you went to feast, you had to take 10% of your tithe, 10% for the widow, 10% for the Levite, and 10% for, I believe, the orphan. I could be wrong, but it was all about the preservation of life and anything that does not create to that. Jesus said, be fruitful and multiply, and scientifically speaking, that takes one male and one female. Well, you say there's other things about it. I get that with with the way that science has developed. However, that does not change what the Word of God says. The Word of God is not a suggestion, and I realize that I will be hated by the world for saying that, but I would rather be hated by the world, I would rather be canceled by the world, and be loved in the sight of Jesus Christ and of God the Father for standing up for what is right. And please understand that I don't hate anybody. I've said this multiple times during this. I don't hate anybody. I have no ill will toward anybody, but it is rather my love for my human brothers and sisters and hoping that one day they will be accepted into the body of Christ. Those who have been in the body of Christ but haven't committed all the way by repenting of their sins, I I genuinely want you to know I am praying for you that you will repent of your sins and be welcomed into the family really and truly that you may experience the true peace that comes with accepting the blood of Jesus Christ on your life. All right, so we're about 30 minutes in. We're going to take a real quick break, and then we're going to come back for another segment. All right, welcome back to the Weekend News Bulletin. So we're going to fly through a couple of quick stories um, just so we can talk about... um, There's one really interesting story from Fox News that I want to get into. Um, And so we're going to just read through a couple of these because they are awesome. So Christian Post posted this on April 26th. Polish pastor goes viral again in new confrontation with Canadian authorities and calls them, quote, communist fascists, end quote. Just three weeks after a video of himself forcefully telling local authorities seeking to enforce coronavirus restrictions to leave his church and comparing them to Nazis and the Gestapo went viral, a Canadian pastor has shared a video documenting another such visit to his church. In a video posted to YouTube Saturday by Artur Polowski, Pastor of Street Church in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, documented how, quote, the Gestapo came back attacking the church, end quote. Two days after its posting, 
The video has received more than 130,000 views on YouTube as of Monday afternoon. We're not going to play the video for sake of time. However, link will be in the show notes. I highly recommend checking it out. It is incredible. And so to Arthur Pulowski, I doubt he'll ever hear this, but I take my hat off to you, sir. God bless you for standing up for the faith. And something in the water in, in Alberta, I'll tell you what, those guys are those guys are not taking it, and I love it. All right, so here's an interesting story, just because I don't know if any of you follow Bitcoin or anything like that, but JP Morgan launches Bitcoin fund for rich clients after years of bashing crypto. This is from April 26th, 2021, and it says... Ever since J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon first denounced Bitcoin way back during the heady crypto rally of 2017, shortly before we revealed that J.P. Morgan's asset management arm was seemingly buying the dip on behalf of its wealthy clients via a Scandinavian ETN, teams of strategists employ by the bank have produced a steady stream of bearish reports warning its clients about the risks of Bitcoin. This article is from Infowars.com. And this is a tweet from Zero Hedge. JP Morgan's daily Bitcoin hit piece is out. Just how bad does JPM prop does JPM prop want to belong to want to belong this? Wow, that's a confusing tweet. All right, but this is the article. But in a sudden reversal, J.P. Morgan's traders, once threatened with firing, should they dare to touch Bitcoin, will soon get their chance to trade the pioneering cryptocurrency on the bank's behalf. I just want to go just go ahead and say this. I'm not a Bitcoin guy, but I do follow it just because of a couple of other things that I've been following. Speaking of which, going to be talking to Dan Badandi again soon to have him on to see if we can re- do our Mark of the Beast episode here in the next few weeks. Now, I'm also going to be heading up to Indiana soon to talk to, to go see um, David and Donna Carrico from FOJCRadio.com and um, John Pounders from Now You See TV. And I'm going to ask, um, I'm going to try to set up a, a, um, a time that we can, me and him can sit down and discuss cryptocurrencies and blockchain on our main podcast so keep an eye out for that here in the near future all right so this is the article in news that's hitting just as bitcoin prices climb back from a sunday dip coindesk reported monday morning that jp morgan chase will soon launch its own actively managed bitcoin fund making jpm the latest u.s megabank to embrace hawking crypto assets in parentheses, rather than struggling to co-op blockchain technology for its own purposes. And see, that was interesting, so because I went and found this article from, excuse me, this is from the BBC, all the way back in, whoa, February 14th, 2019, J.P. Morgan creates first U.S.-backed crypto, U.S.-bank-backed cryptocurrency. This is what it says. U.S. investment bank J.P. Morgan has created a cryptocurrency to help settle payments between clients in its wholesale payments business. Um, JP, JPM Coin is the first digital currency to be backed by a U.S. major bank. Keep in mind, this is back in 2019. 
I'm not sure what happened. I don't know if it fizzled out, but I found that interesting that now all of a sudden they're starting to back Bitcoin. All right. So those are those stories. So let's get into the last news story. Um, And I'm going to play these few clips real quick and you guys can listen to this. And um, my mouth's already getting dry again, so I'm going to get some more water and you guys can check this out. Here's what I want to know. Why have there been so many UFO sightings over our nuclear launch facilities? I mean, that's scary stuff. The Department of Energy, they have confirmed that there has been UFO sightings over every major U.S. nuclear launch site. And not only are these things showing up unannounced, uninvited over restricted airspace, they basically park their ass over the underground nuclear launch facilities and they're even able to somehow remotely disable the nuclear missiles in the process so needless to say it's scaring the hell out of the u.s military and congress and the senate they want to know what's going on author and investigator robert hastings has spent more than 40 years locating and interviewing military veterans missile officers and others who worked in various parts of the atomic weapons program more than 150 of them so far they've all told the same story that in fact ufos have routinely monitored our nuclear weapons going back decades and on occasion apparently have actually interfered with the functionality of those weapons. He called back five minutes later and this time he was very frightened, very scared, uh, shouting into the phone saying that he saw he was he had his guards uh, there and they were seeing a uh, oval shaped orange red object uh, hovering just above the gate of our facility. And he was frightened. He wanted me to tell him what to do. What should he do? And so I said something like, make sure nothing comes in. Use force if necessary. But we had to protect uh, the weapons that we had. So he hung up the phone. And um, I went to tell my commander about this phone call. And as I was speaking to him, the missiles went into a... inoperable condition, what we called no-go. They could not be launched, and uh, we lost all 10 of them. Everything we All 10 missiles were disabled, every single one of them. We don't know who is piloting these craft or why they're poking around, but dozens of witnesses and thousands of pages of documents suggest someone is monitoring our nukes. The Department of Energy admits there's a long history of UFO activity over at nuclear weapons facilities. The I-Team's own FOIA request, filed in 1992, produced a thick stack of documents from the Department of Energy, indicating UFO incidents over every major atomic weapons facility dating to the late 40s. The incident at Malmstrom Air Force Base, Montana in 1967 did involve uh, the appearance of a saucer-shaped object above a nuclear missile launch site. Seconds later, all 10 of these missiles controlled by this site malfunctioned. 
This is a clip from a new documentary film, the culmination of Hastings' years of research. The film includes chilling incidents where UFOs have not only infiltrated restricted airspace over nuclear missile bases, but on occasion have disabled ICBMs and put the military on high alert. In one dramatic incident from the film, military photographers using telescopic lenses watched a UFO disable a warhead used in a missile test fired from Vandenberg. Uh, reported this to the command post and they told him the same thing had happened at another site, although it was a week earlier. Uh, but they also lost 10 missiles due to uh, this object. Whoa! So that's a no-go. They call that a no-go when the missiles have been disabled. So can you, can you imagine? I mean, they must be freaking out about this. Of course, the U.S. military, they will consider this a major threat. Some people think it might be a warning. What do you think? Hmm. Well, the aliens did let us drop two bombs. Yes, they did. On Hiroshima and Nagasaki. They let us test bombs. They let China test missiles. They let North Korea test missiles. They let... The Russians test missiles. Mm -hmm. And the Israelis who have nukes, even though they don't want you to think they do have them. Hell, maybe they gave us the technology. Yeah, now they're just making sure that they can turn it off, that, that the fail-safe is there. The, they've, they've also... The Order also 66... Here's what I want to know. Why in this history? In this historical time of awakening, there are now millions of souls across the earth witnessing a powerful hidden hand manipulating humanity. Hidden, so it has no name, so it does not exist in the minds of labels and names. Hidden in the shadows, we will call it the Cabal. This great awakening is the greatest threat the Cabal has ever faced. And we have seen this criminal cabal deploy false flag after false flag to maintain their greatest power, invisibility. Here we will explore the most dire false flag event imaginable, the fake alien invasion. The alien UFO phenomena can be traced back for millennia. We could spend days going through the entire alien UFO mystery with all its fascinating half-truths and misinformation, but these details have been made into a distraction. What matters is if it's possible. Is the threat real? The technology exists. Before World War II, Nikola Tesla died, and we are told by the FBI that his groundbreaking technologies disappeared. After the start of World War II, Dr. Walter Gerlach, an expert on the fluorescence of mercury ions in the strong magnetic field, was brought onto the highly classified D-Glock project, otherwise known as the Bell. Surviving documents suggest that the Bell involved strange anti-gravity and time-altering effects. After the war, the entire project disappeared. 
Several Nazi scientists came to America under Operation Paperclip, where many of them joined Freemason astronauts and Jack Parsons' Satanist rocket fuel scientists to form NASA. Prior to this, the Invention Secrecy Act of 1951 was enacted, which allowed the U.S. government to suppress any new technology deemed a threat to the country. This led to the suppression of Stanley Meyer's water-fueled car, John Hutchinson's mysterious Hutchison effect. And as of 2010, over 5,000 inventions have been rendered secret. Through all this time, UFO sightings became more common. The entire alien UFO phenomena becomes a part of pop culture. The U.S. military develops direct energy weapons, inexplicable damage seen at the World Trade Center 9-11 attacks and the California wildfires suggest some type of advanced weapon technology that has the ability to melt glass and steel and burns homes into a pulverized footprint of powdered ash. Whistleblowers with Stephen Greer's ongoing disclosure project have witnessed government projects wherein civilians are abducted in fake alien abduction scenarios. They have seen the top-secret UFO-type crafts that our military is developing, and they claim it would easily fool the public as being alien technology. If the cabal were to deploy the fake alien invasion, it could be game over. The mask mandates have revealed how easily compliant the population is. They will believe whatever they are told. And the rest of us could be wiped out within weeks with direct energy weapons and whatever else they have up their sleeve. We are now seeing a sort of disclosure, as if they are preparing us, continuing to warn us of the alien threat. We know the Cabal has the will to do this, and it seems they have the means as well. But if we can destroy this evil cancer, then humanity has a chance. For Infowars.com, this is Greg Reese. All right, so the first one was Darren McBreen. I tried to say that between the clips, but I uh, forgot my mic was muted, so I apologize. First one was Darren McBreen uh, from InfoWars. You can find that at band.video. And um, the second one is, uh, as you just heard, was um, Greg Reese, also from InfoWars. So why do I bring those up? Um, this article is from Fox News. It was published six days ago. Pentagon UFO Report. They, quote, acknowledged the reality, end quote, whistleblower says. The U.S. government is actually gearing up to share information about the, quote, reality of UFOs with the public. And not a moment too soon, says the man who claims to have run the Pentagon's UFO program for nine years. Former President Donald Trump's $2.3 trillion appropriation bill for 2021 contained a mandate that the Pentagon and spy agencies must file a report about the unidentified aerial phenomenon, or UAP. Most of us just call them flying saucers or UFOs. Whatever the jargon, noted whistleblower Luis Elizondo, former head of the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, which operated out of the secret fifth floor of the Pentagon's C-Ring, 
told the Post about the resulting blockbuster document, which is reportedly slated for release in June. So that's just now about roughly around one month away because here we are rolling into May. By the time you guys will be hearing this, it will be um, the evening of May 1st when this drops. So for all I know, you may be listening to this in June. So uh, pyramid-shaped UFOs spotted by Navy may be the best the world has ever seen, filmmaker says. So that's another article. I just thought that was interesting. Why is that always pyramid-shaped? You guys ever seen Stargate? And remember how, like, the pyramid in that was a spaceship? Um, that was just, it's just interesting. Everything comes back to the pyramid, doesn't it? That's how you know the occult's involved, in my opinion. But that's just my opinion. Tied to the mandate, Elizondo said the upcoming report touches down on the unexplainable. Longtime UFO believers are hungry for explanations of the tic-tac-shaped objects the Navy encountered in 2004, the strange, quote, cubes within spheres, end quote, seen by Navy pilots in 2014, or the mysterious black triangles continually reported around the world. Such details promise to come via the much-anticipated report, and at least one evolution of belief, I think, quote, I think the government has acknowledged the reality of UAP, end quote, Elizondo exclusively told the Post, despite signing what he refers to as a, quote, lifelong NDA before he resigned from the Pentagon in 2017. Quote, I think they all want answers, and I think they are all willing to ask the hard questions. End quote. So why do I bring this up? Well, let's just assume that, and and it is probably most likely, it's probably going to be a bunch of crap that everybody's wished they hadn't have um, been so antsy to hear. But let's say something comes out and there's this huge, like, shocking revelation. What do we as Bible believers... How do we react to this? What does it mean with UFOs or supposed intelligent life from other planets? How do we react to this? How does this fit into the paradigm of biblical Christianity? And so I want to start out with 2 Thessalonians 2, and we've, we've gone over this several times in our, um, in our main podcast. So we'll start with verse 7. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love for the truth, that they might be saved. And verse 11, And for this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Now, many people I've talked to that are believers, but say that are following this, say they just don't trust the government with this information. You heard it in the one video. There's, a, there's some half-truths mixed in with a lot of lies. So what does that mean? How does this fit in? What does the Bible have to say about this, because I know several people who swear up and down that the Bible talks about UFOs, it talks about aliens and things like that. Where does this paradigm come from? 
Um, if you've ever seen the show Ancient Aliens, you'll know that uh, uh, the, the Bible has been talked about on there, and they always go to this chapter, Genesis chapter 6. And it came to pass, when man began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men, and that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. There were giants on the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children unto them. The same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. So it always goes back to the sons of God. Now there is an, there's a debate about what that is. There are some who say that the sons of God were angels who came down mated with women and had these half hybrid, these half angel hybrid monsters. Um, the book of Enoch supports this theory. The book of Jubilees supports this theory. Josephus supports this theory, and if you're familiar with and on our main podcast, we just did an episode uh, where we talked about some things out of the Genesis 6 conspiracy. Highly recommend reading that. It has absolutely everything to do with what we're talking about. So, what does this mean? Well, other religions talk about these beings that come down from the stars and created these hybrids. Some are known as the Anunnaki. The Anunnaki came down, mated with um, chimpanzees, and that's where the human race came from. Um, there are other places. There's other religions. Um, I believe the Egyptians have um, beings coming down from the stars. Um, there's some others, and I'm not familiar with most of them. The Anunnaki is probably the most famous that I'm familiar with. But what does this mean? How do what does it mean when we see all of these these um these 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 mythologies, these false religions that they have these beings come from the stars? The Bible, and this is based off of all the research I've done, having read the book of Enoch, having read the book of Jasher, the book of Jubilees. Um, the works of Josephus. Um, I'm very much a proponent of the angelic view of Genesis chapter 6, and in my opinion, it makes the most sense. Second uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 4, for if the angels kept not their... Uh, no, that's... that's um, that's Jude. Um, but if, if for God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down into everlasting chains of, jar, of darkness, right? And cast them down to hell, that being Tartarus, that Greek word. Um, and we, we talked about this in our, um, in our Seed War episode of the Parables of Jesus in the first season of our podcast. Um, so we have, and look, here's the thing. Do you know how many people have questions about what ancient aliens teaches? And pastors cannot answer those questions because they don't have a right view of the Bible. What are these pastors going to do when the government comes out and says, oh, yeah, we've known about aliens. We've been working with them for years because there are people that say that the government has been working with these entities, these fallen angels for years isn't it interesting that come the 1800s, look, we went from horse and buggies in the 1800s. Now we carry around 
these devices that we can pull up any information we want on the touch at the at the touch of a button and we carry them around in our pocket. So let's go to the next one because many people will say, well, angels can't have sex because Jesus said that when we go to heaven, we'll be like the angels. Well, angels can't have, is it just because angels are not supposed to have sex does not mean that they cannot. So, uh, um, Genesis chapter 18, I believe, and the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, and the Lord appeared unto him, Abraham, in the plains of Mamre. And he sat at the tent door in the heat of the day, and he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground and said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched to wash your feet and rest yourselves, selves, plural, under the tree, and I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort ye your hearts. And that, and after that ye shall pass on. For therefore are ye to come to your servant. And they said, lo, they said, lo, so do as thou hast said. And Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah and said, Make ready quick three measures of fine meal. Knead it and make cakes upon the hearth. And Abraham ran unto the herd and fetched a calf tender and good and gave it unto a young man and hastened to dress it. He also took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed and set it before them, before them, and he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. So let me ask you a question: these, um, these, these, these Jesus and these entities, because yes, I believe that that was Jesus that appeared incarnate before Abraham. They ate. The men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom. So the men continued on these men that were with him. And it says, And there came two angels unto Sodom, the other men that were there. It said that they saw three, one being the Lord in Genesis 18. And now Genesis chapter 19 tells us they were angels. Keep that in mind because this is what it says. It says um, in verse 4, Before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round about, and both old and young, and all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said, Where are the men, those angels, which came in unto thee this night? Bring them out to us that we may know them. That is a carnal knowledge. And Lot went out the door unto them, and shut the door after him, and said, I pray ye, brethren, do not so wickedly. So now let's take this to the book of Jude and see what Jude has to say about it. All right. Judgment of the ungodly, it says, um, let's see. Uh, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye knew this, this is verse 5 of Jude, there's only one chapter, um, though ye knew this, how that the Lord, having saved people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not, and the angels, which kept not their first estate, this is the Genesis chapter 6 angels, but doth their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. By the way, if you are questioning whether or not this actually is 
the angels of Genesis chapter 6. Read Second Peter chapter 2 because the context immediately after he talks about the angels is Noah, which was also Genesis chapter 6 and onward. Um, let's see. If the angels, which had kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains of darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Verse 7, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of of eternal fire so let's look at that that strange flesh once again we're going to go over to the interlinear section over here at biblehub.com and let's see that was what verse was that that was verse sorry about the clicking noise it's uh it helps me concentrate so i apologize about that um verse seven so let's go to jude Chapter 1, Jude 1, 7, in the interlinear. This is what it has to say when you look up that strange flesh. That is the word heteros, right? And what's interesting about the word heteros is that's where we get our word hetero for like heterosexual. And one of the things the men are... Um, the One of the things that people like to use this passage for is to talk about homosexuality because it was men going after men. But that's not the word there. The word there is heteros. And what we need to understand is though it would have been a homosexual act because they were going after men, the word heteros is used because it is the word another of a different kind. So they were going after flesh of another kind. Human men going after flesh of another kind, which means the flesh they were going after was not human. Are you starting to get... The grasp here. We are dealing with what people would know today as extraterrestrial, not of earth, beyond earth. These were angelic beings. Why do we bring this up? So Luke 21, and we'll start in verse 7. And they asked him, this is Jesus talking about the signs of the end. Master, when shall these things be, and what sign will there be when these things shall come to pass? And he said, Take heed that ye be not deceived. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and the time draweth near. Go ye not, therefore, after them. But when ye shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified. For these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. Then he said unto them, Nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and great earthquakes shall be in divers places, and famines, and pestilences, and fearful sights, and great signs there be from heaven. So let's take a look at that. That is Luke chapter 21, verse 11. We're going to go to the interlinear again. It's so important to see what these words mean. We can't just gloss over them. So Luke 21 Verse 11 in the interlinear. So this is interesting. This, this um, fearful sights from heaven and great signs there will be. So it is the word phobetra. It's where we get our word phobia, right? And so let's see. 
that word fearful sight is a fearful sight emphasizing its terrible impact on people trying to withdraw and flee from it. So we have fearful sights from heaven that people are going to flee from, right? All right, let's go back over here. All righty. Um, and so this one is the word heaven used there is Uranu. And it is the visible heavens, the atmosphere, the sky, the starry heavens, or the spiritual heavens. So see how they're all connected? The singular and plural have distinct overtones and therefore should be distinguished in translation. This is what the HELPS word study says. And nearly often in, um, let's see. And so um, Greek, uh, Thayer's Greek lexicon says it is heaven in imitation of the Hebrews, the heights above the upper regions, the heavens, um, the vaulted expanse of the sky with all the things visible in it. This is what would be known as the firmament. The universe, the world, it can be, apparently. So, let's see. So, that's Uranos is the the actual word. It's Strong's Greek 3772. All right, so let's go back here. And great signs. So, that word. Let's see. I think I clicked on the wrong word by accident. Let's see. So, signs is the word semea. And this is what it means. It means a sign, a miracle, an indication, a mark, or a token. Helps word study says it is a sign typically miraculous, given especially to confirm, corroborate, or authenticate. Now, this is interesting because this is going to be in, we're going to be looking at this same exact word in tomorrow's main pod on the Like Unto Moses podcast because it's the same word used for when Jesus turned water into wine. It's a sign to authenticate something. So this is going to be a prophetic sign. But what's interesting is this prophetic sign follows after these fearful sights, these phobetra, or these phobatron, phobatron. And let's see, did we look at what the Thayer says? It's that which strikes terror, a terror, or a fright. Um, so, and then... um. The Strong's Exhaustive Concordance says it is a neuter of a derivative of phobeo, a frightening thing, a terrific portent, a fearful sight. So these are going to be freaky, freaky, freaky things in the sky. It's going to cause men's hearts to fail them for fear because they have no paradigm in which to put these in, right? So why do I bring all this up? What is the point of all this exactly? So we went over here and we talked about, let's go back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11. And it says, And for this cause God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. And it talks about this is because they will, with all deceiveness and unrighteousness, because they receive not the love for the truth. And this is these are the people that I believe Jesus is talking about in this instance. The people that have not a love for the truth, they have believed a lie. A strong delusion will come on them. They're going to see great signs in the heavens that are terrifying, and their hearts are going to fail them for fear. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to tie that into, I think it is, 
Revelation 16. Let's see. Pull that up. All right, verse 12. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up. And the way of the kings of the east might be that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Verse thirteen, and I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together in a place which is called in Hebrew, the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. So think about this. Imagine what John is seeing here. He sees the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet, and these three spirits come out like frogs. But he says they're the spirit of devils. Could you imagine with everything going on right now how this would be pitched? Look at all these movies, Independence Day, um, Infinity War, where um, uh, Justice League, where this great, terrible creature comes out of the sky, or one of my personal favorites. I think this one fits the best. Are you familiar with the story where the Fantastic Four have to get all the Marvel characters to team up to fight Galactus, who is going to come and destroy the Earth by eating it? He's literally going to suck out all the energy of the Earth, destroying it. But he's always heralded by another alien life form, the Silver Surfer. And what does the Silver Surfer do? He comes as a harbinger to tell the world of its destruction, but then turns and helps fight them when they come. And and it has always looked to me as if this is the world trying to indoctrinate. This is is the devil's prophets, Hollywood, trying to indoctrinate the world that when Jesus comes back, he's going to be the big bad alien that's coming to destroy the world, and they have to unite humanity. But it's right here in the book of Revelation. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs. And I know frogs are technically amphibian, but like I've listened to stories of people describe these as like reptilian, like green creatures. And here they are coming out of the mouth of the dragon, the mouth of the beast, and the mouth of the false prophet. They are for they are the spirits of devils, working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to battle. It's like it just seems to me like. They're going to come. They're going to present themselves as ancient aliens is presenting this 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 paradigm where our world was seeded by these extraterrestrials, and it's like they're trying to prep the world for when these things appear. Yeah, we're the ones who created you, and we are coming now because one a big bad extraterrestrial is coming to destroy all of you, and we have to get ready to stop him. We have to unite humanity to fight the bad guy. And that bad guy, they're going to pitch it to be Jesus Christ. And I know several people are going to listen to me and think, wow, this guy's a wing nut. And you can think whatever you want. But all I'm saying, don't believe me. Read it for yourself. Pray to God. Why else are they pitching so hard? Do you really think the United States government, if there were actual alien life forms, would tell you, like, tell us about it? 
Do you really believe that they're going to give us the truth? And if they really are, if there really are fallen angels that they're in cohorts with, whether it's the United States government, it doesn't matter what government it is. If there are world governments in league with these things, do you really think they're going to give you the whole truth about them? It doesn't matter what they say. What does the Bible say? And several pastors will laugh at this, and they'll just shake it off as crazy. But to those, I would say, what is your explanation for it? What do you think the Bible would say about these? You don't have an answer. I know you don't have an answer because I've talked to pastors about this, and they just sit there with this glazed look over their face and just shake their head. like like It's like cognitive dissonance. Their blue pill has taken over. It is time to wake up. Read what the Bible actually says. Read it in the paradigm of these ancient civilizations that were around. Look, every other religion has a false version of this. But yet these rational, carnal Christians that are walking around today just, well, this isn't a salvation issue, so I just don't think we should talk about it. It's dangerous, and you should stay away from the... Oh, grow up. Get a life. Read your Bible and see what it says Stop doing this mamby-pamby, playing church, talking about your original Game of Thrones and all your stupid little, stupid little stuff that these, these, these seeker-friendly, um, these seeker-friendly churches that are trying so hard to spread their legs to the world because that's what they are. They're the whore of Babylon. Let's just face it. Let's call it what it is. These churches that want so hard to be like the world that they will literally spit in the face of the God that died for them. And then they'll sit there and look at you like you're crazy because you actually try to look at what the Bible actually says. It's ridiculous. But that's what it is. Look, just read it for yourself. Now, I apologize for getting so spirited there, but you know what? You know what? I don't apologize. I take that back because I'm so sick of these soy boy pastors getting up in their skinny jeans and their mid-fade haircuts and talking about these stupid things that have no resemblance to anything that has to do with biblical doctrine. They get up here and they talk about how to defeat your negative thoughts. Like, what? I can tell you, if you are having negative thoughts, if you are down, read the Psalms. They're so encouraging. You don't need some pastor who just wrote a book telling you how to live your best life now, telling you how to defeat your negative thoughts. Just read your Bible. Reach out to Jesus. Ask for comfort. These people, don't listen to these pastors. They don't know what they're talking about. They're the hirelings that Jesus talks about. When it gets rough, they're going to cut and run, and they're going to burn the church down with you in it. That, now, that's a metaphor. Let me say that. Let me, let me clarify that. I don't think anybody would actually burn down their church with their congregation in it, so let me clarify. My point is that when the going gets tough, they're going to cut and run, and they're going to leave you out to dry. So forget them. If they don't want to listen to your questions, if they don't, if they refuse to give you answers, you don't need them. The Bible says that you have one teacher, the Holy Spirit, and he will lead you into all truth, the comforter. Second John talks about the anointing you get from him. Or I think it's first John, excuse me. But my point is, is that we are living in the days now where the pastors 
have become so watered down, they would not recognize the true word of God if it hit them in the face. And sad to say, many of them are not going to recognize Jesus when he comes back because they're going to fall for this lie. We're coming up on an hour, a little over an hour, actually. So those are the news stories for the week. Wonderful transition there, right? So if you have stories that you think we should cover here on the Weekend News Bulletin, feel free to send the links, or rather send the stories over um, to Course Correction th at gmail.com just let me know where i can find the story i am i don't really don't like opening links and all of that but um you can also tag me in them on facebook um at have you find me trey harris um or you can go to our course correction radio facebook page become a follower and send us a put the link uh or put the story up there and we'll check it out uh thank you guys so much for listening to this we'll see you tomorrow night on the well as you're listening to this this goes live saturday evening we'll see you tomorrow night on the likened unto moses podcast and next week on the weekend news bulletin take care